Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! It's the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy 4th of July. My name is Darren Pritchett, live on this Tuesday, July 4th of 2023. Happy birthday, America. Great to be with you as we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT. Live streams available at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Our Twitch feed is down once again today. Well, we have two hours of Budweiser's weekday sports beat normally. But today with South Bend Cubs baseball being back at home at Four Winds Field for the 4th of July. We're on the air until 645. That's when pregame coverage of the Cubs and the Peoria Chiefs get underway in downtown South Bend. And right here on WSBT Radio, we've got the first pitch at 705 as it is Cubs and Cardinals Midwest League style here in downtown South Bend and on WSBT Radio tonight. Well, we're live on this 4th of July, so we've got plenty to get to, including our hat trick of opening topics. And it will include a very interesting comment in regard to the Justin Scott commitment to Ohio State, the five-star, one of the premier players in the 24 class that Notre Dame tried to get out of Chicago, a Catholic league kid. And I asked my colleague, Mike Singer, from Blue and Gold Illustrated, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider, is there someone to blame for the Irish getting knocked out of this commitment already? And the answer is yes. And he will tell you where he thinks things went wrong with the Irish coming up 
I cut out the comment to play it in our opening segment and our hat trick of opening topics. Mike and I pre-recorded this interview for the 4th of July version of Sportsbeat, so you'll hear the entire interview with Mike at around 6 o'clock. But I wanted to make sure I got this soundbite out at the front of the program because, very candid, Mike talking about a failure with Notre Dame and that recruitment of Justin Scott. That's in Mike's opinion. We'll play that in just a second. Also in our hat trick of opening topics, boy, the the media doesn't obviously think a lot about our local NFL coaches. And also, if the Major League Baseball playoffs started today, boy, it would be an interesting-looking playoffs. Also coming up in our second segment in this 5 o'clock hour, we'll spend a little time discussing the linebacker position for the Fighting Irish this year as Notre Dame has a very interesting, good mixture of proven players and exciting young players at those spots. We've got our Twitter question of the day. You've been voting on that throughout the day today. We'll get to that in a little bit. We have that promise, Mike Singer, full recruiting update coming up at 6 o'clock. He'll talk about Justin Scott. Also, you had Canyon, the wide receiver, decommit recently. Mike's got some details on that as well, so we'll get to that in a little bit. And we're going to wrap up the program today with, I guess, a perfect lead-in to South Bend Cubs baseball right around 6.30. We're going to play back an interview that South Bend Cubs broadcaster Brendan King did with Kevin Alcantara, the South Bend Cubs, the number three prospect in the Chicago Cubs system, playing high A baseball in South Bend. As a 20-year-old, he was traded by the Yankees to the Cubs in the Anthony Rizzo deal almost two years ago. And it's been a struggle for Alcantara facing this older pitching in the Midwest League, but as of late, things have been getting better. So a very interesting conversation. Alcantara is still working on his English, but you know what? He's doing pretty doggone good. And you'll hear from Kevin, one of the top prospects in the Cubs system, to wrap up the program right before we go to Four Winds Field and we get to a little South Bend Cubs baseball. Kyle Hendricks has flirted with a no-hitter a couple of times, including once this year. It's very early, but right now the Cubs are batting in the top of the fifth inning up in Milwaukee, and they've got a 3-0 lead on the Brewers, and Kyle Hendricks has not allowed a base hit over the first four innings. And he has walked a batter. But otherwise, a bunch of zeros right now for the Brew Crew as they're being no hit by Kyle Hendricks as the Cubbies bat in the fifth inning now with a 3-0 lead. Trey Mancini, the former Notre Dame star, just picked up a sacrifice fly scoring Ian Happ. 3-0 Cubbies up in Milwaukee. Now to our hat trick of opening topics. This is a segment in which we start the program with three topics to get the conversation going here on WSBT Radio. I teased it a moment ago. No more teases. Let's get to it. Mike Singer's been on our program for a few years now covering Notre Dame football recruiting. Of course, his main gig is writing all about Notre Dame football recruiting at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Mike and I recorded our 4th of July edition of Notre Dame Football Recruiting yesterday. So I've already got the soundbite ready to go in regards to five-star defensive lineman Justin Scott. A top 10 player overall in the class of 2024. A Catholic League kid out of Chicago. 
St. Ignatius. This just feels like the ball was on the tee for the Irish to get this particular kid. It didn't work out. After visiting Miami and Michigan, Georgia, he went to Ohio State, fell in love with Ohio State, and committed a few days ago to the Buckeyes. Notre Dame never was able to gain an official visit from a kid an hour and a half away, and that could have played a factor into Scott not wanting to use one of those official visits. But at the end of the day, Notre Dame got him on campus a couple of times unofficially, but they lose out to Ohio State. These are the players that can be difference makers in being a playoff team and not a playoff team. And you look at the Ohio State recruiting class in 24, it's filled with those type of players. And you wonder why Ohio State, more times than not, ends up in the college football playoff, if not in, right on the doorstep. Michigan has halted that run a tad bit. Although the Buckeyes got in last year and played a heck of a game against the eventual champions, the Georgia Bulldogs. But let's get back to the point. The Irish did not get a guy that they wanted desperately in five-star Justin Scott, an interior defensive lineman out of Chicago. So in my conversation with Mike, which we'll, you will hear in its entirety at the start of the 6 o'clock hour, I asked Mike a question I felt like I needed to ask for you, the fans, because in a moment like this, fans are frustrated. They wanted this kid. They felt like this was one of theirs that got away. So I asked Mike, is there a reason to right now point blame at someone? Is there a reason to be upset at this person that they dropped the ball? Or was this simply a great football player that didn't pick Notre Dame and went to another elite football program? End of story. And this is how Mike answered that question. I do think Al Washington got out-recruited here. I think Larry Johnson from Ohio State is one of the best defensive line coaches in the country. I have never covered Ohio State. I don't know a ton about Larry Johnson, but I know whenever I talk to a D-line recruit, like, the, the, I mean, he's just very well respected. I think Larry Johnson out-recruited Al Washington. I, 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 again, Darren, when do I get on here and, and say negative things about Notre Dame coaches? It's not, it's not often. That might have been a first, I just honestly. don't think, I don't think Al Washington did a very, a very good job in, in Justin Scott. For, for, I, I don't. I think Marcus Freeman, um, even Al Golden, Chad Bowden, I think those guys, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if Al Washington did. And when I say, when I criticize Notre Dame, like I, I'm thinking to myself, if they were to watch this, like, am I, am I comfortable saying this to their face? Like if, if they then call me and say, Hey Mike, what's that? Would I be comfortable and say that in, a, in talking to them on the phone? I would, I would. So I think that's, that's, that's definitely a part of it here. Listen, I understand it's a it's a Catholic school kid from Chicago, Notre Dame should land all those, but dude, this is twenty twenty three recruiting, man. Like it, it, you know, this ain't you know the you know the nineties when you know Notre Dame goes into Juliet Catholic and recruits a kid named Mike Goolsby. Sorry, Goolsby, you're going to Notre Dame if you like it or not. Like this, it's, <laughs> it's just a lot different. Yeah. Um, you know. It, so yeah, Darren, it's uh, it, it's a recruiting loss. Sure, did Notre Dame pull out all the stops? Yes, 
But at the end of the day, you follow the visit. The kid visited Notre Dame three times, and one of those times was six months before he even got the offer from the Irish. So two times did he visit Notre Dame while he had that offer from Notre Dame. And he visited Miami, I think, three or four times. And getting to Notre Dame twice in a year or so, I mean, that's just a disaster. I, I Even though, Darren, he was close to committing to Notre Dame in January, I still don't know how interested he was. Hmm. Interesting. Mike, very candid there. And the way things were handled by the Irish in particular, his position coach, Al Washington. You can hear the entire conversation with Mike coming up at the start of the 6 o'clock hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We'll also talk about Isaiah Canyon decommitting from the Irish, the four-star wide receiver who then, not too long after, verbally committed to Georgia Tech. Sounds like it was a decision to stay closer to home for his family, and I think we should all respect that. All right, so that was Mike Singer on the Justin Scott Recruiting by the University of Notre Dame that ended up with Scott going to Ohio State. Hat trick of opening topic number two tonight. Boy, there's not a lot of love for your coach if you're a fan of the Chicago Bears. Now it's one person's opinion. But CBSSports.com has a feature out ranking the current 32 head coaches in the National Football League. And Eberflus is dead last. Now, let's keep in mind this. I'm going to defend Matt a tad bit here. I'm not a Bears fan. I'm a neutral observer. When Chicago hired Eberflus from the Indianapolis Colts, where he was defensive coordinator, it was not an exciting slash sexy hire. Usually, when a team hires a head coach, In the NFL, the excitement comes from the fact that you're bringing in a proven head coach. As an example, I can tell you as a Denver Bronco fan, after the misery of watching some first-time head coaches the last few years run the Denver organization into the ground, they went out and got a proven winner in Sean Payton, and that automatically brings excitement through the fan base, and it brings credibility Back to the football team. Now he still has to win, but that was an exciting hire that changes the attitude of the fan base. Maybe you hire an up-and-coming offensive guru. The L.A. Rams did a very good job in finding Sean McVay, a guy that had worked under John Gruden down in Tampa. What happens? McVay gets gets the job in L.A., puts together a dynamic offense, and eventually wins a Super Bowl championship. Even though not many people possibly knew who McVay was that was a Rams fan, unless you really pay attention to the NFL, the fact you got an offensive guy is exciting because this is an offensive league. Personally, I'm not a big fan of hiring defensive coaches at this particular time. I want that cutting-edge offensive mind because this league is all about offense. Defensive coaches don't bring that buzz, and Eberflus did not bring that buzz at the time to the Chicago Bears. 
So Eberflus is 32. Even Arizona's first-year head coach, Jonathan Gann, is ahead of him at 31. He comes from the Eagles, a defensive mind. Now let's be fair to Eberflus because when he arrived in the Windy City, he took over last year a flawed roster. Ryan Poles came in trying to change the look of the Bears franchise. He's in the process of overturning that roster. And for Eberflus, it's also a disadvantage as a brand-new head coach to be in charge of a team that is working with a very young and developing starting quarterback, a.k.a. Justin Fields. And last year was entering his first full year as the starter, second year in the National Football League. It's probably not fair to rank Eberflus that low considering what he was working with. Now, the Bears ended up with one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and he's a defensive mind. So that looks bad, but let's also remember the Bears traded away two of their better defensive starters during the season last year. It's not like you're just going to pick up a couple of guys off the street and throw them into a Bears uniform and you don't lose anything. That's tough to overcome. Now, I'll say this with the Bears roster improving, I think Bears fans should expect a much-improved football team this year. So he's really on the clock starting right now. But to be last, that's pretty tough. Especially with Gannon taking over an Arizona team that might have the worst roster now in the National Football League. And their quarterback, Kyler Murray, is probably out for a couple of months coming off ACL. And it may take them a while to win a couple of games. So I think Eberflus respect him and at least put him ahead of Gannon. Now, Colts fans, here's an example as well. There's buzz and excitement around the Indianapolis Colts because they brought in a really good offensive mind that's getting his first crack as a head coach in Shane Steichen. He helped groom Justin Herbert in his transition to the National Football League, and now the L.A. Chargers have a premier quarterback in Justin Herbert. He worked with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia as that transition of Hurts becoming more than just a running cutting back, running back now a guy that can throw the football extremely well, very, very good on the deep ball. So you've got a running quarterback now with really good passing traits, and Steichen was part of that development. So now he comes to Indianapolis with a resume that excites you as a Colts fan. And what do the Colts do at the number four pick in the draft? They go out and get a quarterback that has that all-around skill set possibility in Anthony Richardson, the quarterback of the Florida Gators. And now he's got a chance to groom him like Herbert and Hurts. And maybe, just maybe, he can turn Richardson into a high-end quarterback in the National Football League. And if he can get Richardson going quickly, you think about for the next three years or so, I guess since he's a first-round pick, you get five years in that rookie window. You've got three, four years of a guy, if he's playing at a very, very good level, you've got a cheap quarterback in which you can build the roster around him with a lot of money left on the table in the salary cap because they don't have to pay him 30 40 50 million dollars like the running rate is in the National Football League. Daniel Jones of the New York Giants is going to make 40 million dollars 
this season for the G-Men. So having him under a rookie quarter rookie quarterback contract right away, and if he plays well, boy, you can build up that football team around him, and maybe the Colts can grab a Super Bowl title like the Seahawks did when they had Russell Wilson with a very small contract. They built a great team around him. He played well, and in 2013, they clobbered Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos to win their lone Super Bowl championship and nearly won a second, but... The infamous pass from the one-yard line intercepted by Malcolm Butler. And the Patriots, somehow, someway, won that Super Bowl over Seattle. So a big opportunity for the Colts. Steichen, who has not coached a game in the NFL, he's 24th on the list, well above Eberflus. And then you've got the Lions' Dan Campbell. He comes in at number 22. In terms of likable head coaches, he's probably in the top five. He's a fun coach because he's a coach, but he's got that fan-player attitude. You just love the personality. Campbell, number 22 on the list. This is what CBSSports.com had to say about Campbell. A walking embodiment of testosterone. Campbell's fiery optimism finally translated to wins in 2022, and his late-year staffing changes helped fuel defensive strides. Now his challenge will be meeting expectations, ensuring quarterback Jared Goff is protected while the Lions try to capture their first NFC North title in 30 years. They have a much more difficult schedule, and it all starts at Arrowhead. The night the Kansas City Chiefs unveiled another Super Bowl championship banner Thursday night prime time Lions and Chiefs what a way to start the year for Detroit and it's very rare that a team like Detroit who is on the rise wasn't a playoff team last year gets this shot in game number one against the Super Bowl champion but I guess the NFL is expecting Detroit to make a big push this year and why not Put the Lions out there in game one to see what they're all about. I'm still wondering. Their defense has a long way to go, and that's a tough, tough first game against Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and that Kansas City Chiefs offense run by the master, Andy Reid. And by the way, on this CBSSports.com ranking of the top quarterbacks, or I should say the top head coaches in the NFL, I told you Eberflus was 32 Steichen, 24. Campbell, 22, the top five. The Ravens, John Harbaugh at number five. He's got a Super Bowl win, as does Sean McVay of the Rams. He's at four. Bill Belichick, the Patriots mastermind, is down at number three. And ahead of him is a guy that hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. In Kyle Shanahan of the San Francisco 49ers and well-deserved at number one. According to CBSSports.com, he'd be my choice as well. Andy Reid of the Kansas City Chiefs in the top spot. 529 Sportsbeat continues live on this 4th of July. Darren Pritchett with you. Our third and final hat trick of opening topics for tonight. If the Major League Baseball playoffs started today, what would they look like? Well, in the American League... The top two teams that would get a bye would not have to play in that first-round best-of-three series. The top seed, the Tampa Bay Rays, 
And at number two, the surprising Texas Rangers. Bruce Bochy won those three World Series titles in San Francisco, came out of retirement, took over that Rangers team, and they are flying high right now in the American League. Those would be the two teams getting the bye. In the American League, that best of three series to start off the postseason. The 3-6 matchup, boy, this is a terrible nightmare for Minnesota. How many games in a row have they lost to the Yankees in the postseason? It's between 10 and 20. But it would be the six-seeded Yankees visiting the three-seed Minnesota. Yeah, the Twins are under 500 but winning the American League Central. The other matchup in the American League in that best of three, this would be a terrific matchup, a fun matchup. The proven team against the up-and-comers. The defending world champion, Houston Astros, the five seed, would go to Camden Yards to take on the four seed, a wild card team, the upstart, Baltimore Orioles. That would be a fun, fun matchup. In the senior circuit, not what we expected at the start of the year in a couple of places. We will start with the top two teams that would get a bye if the season ended today. The playoffs would feature the Atlanta Braves as the top seed and the Arizona Diamondbacks, the leaders in the West, would get the bye as the number two seed. Then you got your 6-3 matchup, wild card against division champion. It would be the wild card San Francisco Giants going to Cincinnati to take on those young Cincinnati Reds. Great American ballpark would be electric. Finally getting their team back into the postseason. And then your other National League best of three matchup. Wild card team number two taking on wild card team number one. And again, a surprise. The Dodgers having to go the wild card route seems funny. But the five-seed Dodgers would go all the way across the country to South Beach to take on the Miami Marlins, who would be the number one wild card team in the National League and the number four seed. With that starting pitching that the Marlins have, and they win all the close games. I think they're 20-5 and five in one-run games this year. Young pitching. I think they're probably going to add a batter to at the deadline and – They're going to be good to go for a playoff run. Young, talented, but they need a little boost on offense. So that's what the playoffs would look like as of today. The Tigers right now five games behind the Twins for the AL Central lead. And they started today nine games in back of the final wild card spot. The White Sox, despite their frustrating play, they're hanging around. They are six and a half behind the Twins in the Central. And they started today 10 and a half back in the wild card chase. The Chicago Cubs started today seven games in back of first place Cincinnati in the Central and seven games back of the final wild card spot in the National League. So the Cubs are on that borderline. Are you in or are you out? Are you sellers, buyers, neutral? The Cubs are in that gray area right now they're on the fringe of being in it but realistically are they and does that mean trading Cody Bellinger 
One-year contract. He'll be a free agent at the end of the year. Do you get something for him? Boy, Florida. Miami Marlins would be a good fit for him. And then you got Marcus Stroman, who could bring you the most back of anybody right now. From that Chicago Cubs pitching staff, he could bring a mighty good haul. He's got a player option for next year. He's going to throw that in the trash can. He's going to make him the low 20s next year. Based on the season he's having this year, he's going to make well above that with a new contract next year. So the Cubs have to consider trading him as well. Now, the trade deadline's August 1st, so the Cubs are going to define themselves if they're in or out over the next month. And right now they're up 4-1 in Milwaukee in the bottom of the sixth inning. And Kyle Hendricks has now allowed a couple of hits as he has pitched very well through five innings. His ERA for the year is 270, and he's not breaking 90 mile an hour. We love dinosaurs. That's old school. Not the flamethrowers of today. That's what you expect. But good old Kyle Hendricks, he knows how to pitch. That's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. We'll take a timeout. We'll talk some Irish linebackers as we continue on with Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this 4th of July. Sports Radio 960 WSBT streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. And a diving catch by Notre Dame. Benjamin Morrison, three interceptions on the day. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Intercepted on the 45-yard line. So Bracey. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. He will score. 10-5 touchdown, Benjamin Morrison. 95 yards out. It is 541 on this 4th of July. My name is Darren Pritchett. I hope the hot dogs, the hamburgers, the ribs are tasting really good right now. And hopefully an ice cold Budweiser's hitting the spot. Budweiser's weekday sports beat being brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. For 13 years, Folds of Honor and Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. Sportsbeat also brought to you by Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash SolidGround for details. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. And by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's, the family inn. It is 18 minutes in front of 6 o'clock, just about an hour away from pregame coverage of South Bend Cubs baseball as they take on the Peoria Chiefs tonight. Well, the Fighting Irish football team still in summer mode right now. We are inching closer to the start of Notre Dame football practice later on this month. And what are we, about 53 days away now from the opening game, August 26th, Notre Dame and Navy in Dublin, a game that you can hear 
on WSBT Radio kickoff at 2.30 South Bend time, 7.30 over in Dublin. And barring an injury or barring someone overtaking somebody else on the depth chart, there's a very good chance that Notre Dame will put on the field a veteran group of linebackers. And based on the fact you're taking on the triple option attack of Navy in that first game, the more experience you've had against this style of offense, the better, which hopefully sets up Notre Dame to have some success against the midshipmen who have a new coaching staff this year for the first time in a long time. Let's remind you at the linebacker position, gone for Notre Dame, you've got Bo Bauer and Prince Kali. Kali decided to enter the transfer portal, ended up at Vanderbilt. You've got coming back the experience I mentioned, J.D. Bertram. You got Maris Leofow, Jack Kaiser. You could probably pencil those three in as the starters if you need three linebackers on the field for that first play of the game. But you've also got a couple of interesting guys waiting in the wigs. For example, Nolan Ziegler and a guy with enormous talent coming out of high school. It was an individual a lot of high-end teams wanted. Jalen Sneed is waiting for that opportunity. And the Irish also brought in Jaden Osbury from Louisiana. Boy, he stood out in the blue goal game. Drake Bowen, the kid from Andrean, and also Preston Zinter. So all of a sudden, there is quite a bit of depth, and I would say intriguing players at the linebacker position. Now, you would expect Bertrand to be in the middle of the defense with Leofau and Kaiser. These guys are able to come back for one more year due to that COVID exception. So the Irish bring back as veteran of a core as you can probably have in college football. You think about these guys. I I read an article at blueandgold.com, and they pointed out that those three guys have over 3,000 snaps between them in their college careers. Pretty impressive number. And... You take a look at this group. Bertrand's going to be a guy that's going to stuff the run. I felt like in the spring he seemed quicker, more sideline to sideline with explosion, making plays on the outside. That's a really good sign. You got Leah Fowl, who is a guy that they really count on to be their linebacker in pass coverage, and he does a really good job at that. Kaiser is a guy that probably will play the least of those three, barring an injury or, again, barring someone getting beat out, which isn't likely at the start of the year, but who knows. But Kaiser is an individual. When Notre Dame brings on that fifth defensive back, Kaiser goes to the sideline, but he is still very, very productive, went on the field, 59 tackles, had two and a half sacks last year for this Fighting Irish football team. So Notre Dame's got that experience ready to go, and they've done a great job of recruiting in the last couple of cycles. Al Golden, Marcus Freeman, and his staff have really gotten the job done. Jalen Sneed in the 2022 class, again, got one of the premier players in the country out of South Carolina in Jalen Sneed. And I think the Irish are really hoping this kid is going to break through and have a very important assignment on this year's team, and then next year, let's hope he is a game-changer 
for this football team. I'm kind of intrigued by Bowen and Osbury, top 200 players in their class. Osbury, I guess the one thing that was always said about him, he's not the tallest guy, but he was producing in the spring for the Fighting Irish. And Bowen, who's got that baseball football ability coming from Andrean, Mr. Football, in the state of Indiana. It's kind of fun to know you've got three guys ready to go this year that you believe in, and Leofal, Bertrand, and Kaiser, and then just kind of percolating off to the side right now, or maybe simmering. You got Sneed, you got Ziegler, you got Osbury, you got Bowen, a lot of intriguing young talents that could be the future of this Fighting Irish defense. And that linebacking core will be tested right away when you take on Navy, then after facing Tennessee State, the FCS school, you got that first road game. You know it's going to be sold out down in Raleigh as they take on NC State. As I documented yesterday, Brennan Armstrong transferred from Virginia to NC State, and now he rejoins his offensive coordinator at NC State that he had at Virginia two years ago when he threw for 4,500 yards and 31 touchdowns. Last year was miserable. Two years ago was Hall of Fame-esque. Let's see where he lands in 2023 in an early test for the Irish defense. And let's face it, an early test for Brennan Armstrong as well. 5.48 is our time. We will step aside for a moment. We'll come back with the Twitter question of the day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT South. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you live on 960 AM WSBT on the 4th of July. 5.52 is your time. Our Twitter question of the day went up yesterday morning on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. You were asked to vote on this. Audric Estime has the inside track to be Notre Dame football's leading rusher in 2023. Who is your choice for the second most rushing yards gained? I did not put Chris Tyree on the list, assuming he's mainly going to be a wide receiver. So I went with three running backs, Jabron Payne, Jadarian Price, and Jeremiah Love. The results, the freshman got 14.6% of the vote. Those individuals believe that Jeremiah Love will be second on the team in rushing yards in 2023. It's got some electric talents. Second place in the voting. He's the guy that took Logan Diggs' place during the spring when Diggs was on the sideline, Jabron Payne. He received 22.9% of the vote. But the runaway winner, maybe because he ran away from the competition in the 2022 Blue Goal game, scampering for a long touchdown. We didn't get to see him last year due to an Achilles but Jadarian Price, 62.5% of the vote. If I had a vote, I would have voted for Jadarian Price as well. Thank you for voting. Now, a question that went up earlier today on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Last year, Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine averaged 23 passes per game. Tyler Buckner, 25 per contest. Meanwhile, at Wake Forest, Sam Hartman averaged 35 tosses per game. What do you believe will be the number of passes Hartman will throw per game with the Fighting Irish 
this year. Your three choices, 29 or less. Choice number two, 30 to 35 throws a game. Or your third choice, 36 or more. We'd love to get your insight. Check out my Twitter account and vote at 960-SPORTSBEAT. How many passes will Hartman throw per game at Notre Dame this year? 29 or less, 30 to 35, 36 or more. Right now the vote's a bit of a blowout, but plenty of time for you to check in with your vote. 555 at WSBT. Mike Singer talks Notre Dame football recruiting. We'll replay, of course, his comments about the Justin Scott recruitment by Notre Dame and more all coming up after a sports update from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTRadio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and on Twitch as Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer. Mike and I also having this conversation on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Well, happy 4th of July to you. I guess there were plenty of fireworks over the weekend when it comes to Notre Dame football recruiting, Mike. Let me just begin with five-star defensive lineman Justin Scott, the Catholic League kid out of Chicago who ended up picking Ohio State. Notre Dame was on his list. Does this come across to almost everybody involved as a big surprise that not only he picked Ohio State, he picked this time to do so? Sort of. Sort of, Darren. I wrote a whole article at blueandgold.com early Tuesday afternoon on this topic. It's called, the the article's titled Justin Scott to Ohio State Perspective from a Notre Dame Writer. Um, And I wrote in this, like, look, my reporting on this had been maybe not all over the place, but maybe there's a better term than that. But it it was kind of, it was a little bit though, because this recruitment was all over the place. I had wrote at the end of June. I was like, listen, I'm hearing a lot of Michigan buzz. Like I, I, Georgia, Miami out of it. He's staying in the Midwest. I was hearing Michigan buzz. And then he commits to Ohio state. And you're like, well, what the heck, Mike? Well, then there's a quote that he said, I was ready to commit to Michigan quote from Justin Scott. And then he says, then we visit Ohio state. And, you know, and then uh, the rest of course of history. So side note, Hey, at least it wasn't Michigan, right? Um, that Justin Scott, you know, the, the five-star from St. Ignatius, Chicago commits, uh, you know, to the Buckeyes, not, not Michigan. So again, the, the Michigan buzz was all those sort of correct, you know, he didn't end up committing to Michigan, but I also put in that same report, Hey, I'm, I'm hearing he could commit in July. Like I, I, I'd heard he could commit this past weekend. So it wasn't a total shock, and Scott had even said himself, hey, when I commit, I'm just putting it out there. It's done. I'm not putting out, hey, I'm committing on my birthday in July. You know what? I think his birthday is actually in January when he was maybe going to commit to Notre Dame, which I'm sure we'll talk about next year. Uh, there wasn't going to be some grand declaration, hat ceremony, stream on a, one of these you know, media outlets. 
he just said, hey, I'm putting it out there. I don't even think Scott put it out himself. He just kind of retweeted on three stuff. So sort of a surprise, um, though, because, like, Notre Dame, I don't know what kind of heads up they got. I, I don't know if Scott called them and what, you know, like, I don't know what that looked like. So somewhat, again, he had hinted at it. I had been hearing it, but still, for a five-star player, it, there's usually a, hey, I'm committing at this time. You know, media is welcome to come watch it. There's going to be a stream. Um, but, again, that didn't take place. Early on in the process, we heard a lot of Notre Dame buzz. I think in even one of his quotes he had mentioned in January, hey, Notre Dame was, I don't want to say, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but they were in pretty good shape. They might have been leading at that particular yeah, they time. Were. Just because we are now in July and Notre Dame didn't get the player, doesn't mean Notre Dame lost interest. Doesn't mean Notre Dame didn't put on the, the full court press. Is this just one of those situations where, hey, there's great competition. There were a lot of good schools going after him. And Notre Dame did all they could in the recruitment. But it was one of those things. He simply picked Ohio State. And we shouldn't get into the blame game, which always seems to happen when it comes to a five-star recruit. I think a lot of things can be true here. I do think Al Washington got out-recruited here. I think Larry Johnson from Ohio State is one of the best defensive line coaches in the country. I have never covered Ohio State. I don't know a ton about Larry Johnson, but I know whenever I talk to a D-line recruit, like the, the, I mean, he's just very well-respected. I think Larry Johnson out-recruited Al Washington. I, 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 again, Darren, when do I get on here and, and say negative things about Notre Dame coaches? It's not, it's not off. That might have been a first, I just honestly. don't think. I don't think Al Washington did a very a very good job in, in Justin Scott. For, for, I, I don't. I think Marcus Freeman, um, even Al Golden, Chad Bowden. I think those guys. Did, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know if Al Washington did. And when I say when I criticize Notre Dame, like I, I'm thinking to myself, if they were to watch this, like, am I am I comfortable saying this to their face? Like, if, if they then call me and say, "Hey, Mike, what's heck's that?" Would I be comfortable and say that in a, in talking to them on the phone i would i would so i think that's 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 definitely a part of it here listen i understand it's a it's a catholic school kid from chicago notre dame should land all those but dude, this is 2023 recruiting man like it, it you know this ain't you know the you know the 90s when you know notre dame goes into Juliet catholic and recruits a kid named mike goolsby sorry goolsby you're going to notre dame if you like it or not like this it's <laughs> just a lot different um you know so yeah darren it's uh it's a recruiting loss sure did notre dame pull out all the stops yes but at the end of the day you follow the visit the kid visited notre dame three times and one of those times was six months before he even got the offer from the Irish. so two times did he visit notre dame while he had that offer from notre dame and he visited miami i think three or four times and getting to Notre Dame twice in a year or so, I mean, that's just a disaster. I, I Even though, Darren, he was close to committing to Notre Dame in January, I still don't know how interested he was in Notre Dame. The guys finished third for him. It was Ohio State, obviously, one. Miami, two, or excuse me, Michigan, two. Notre Dame, three. I, I think there, I mean, there was a lot of pull. Notre Dame pull at St. Ignatius. I think maybe even the mob preferred Notre Dame earlier in the recruitment 
Um, I think he may have had some pressure to commit to Notre Dame, and I think he had kind of convinced himself, hey, I, sh- I should commit here. But then when push came to shove, there's a reason why he didn't commit to Notre Dame. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he had a good visit. What was it, this spring to Notre Dame, Darren? Uh, what was the exact date that Scott did end up getting to Notre Dame? Uh, March 25th. Okay. But, again, he went from July 2022 to March 2023 without a visit. I mean, like, that's a crazy span there, right? Uh, to go, what, nine months without a visit when it's, uh, you know, a little over an hour away. Um, so, yeah, a lot to uh, – Darren, we could, we could spend an hour on Justin Scott and not picking Notre Dame. Let me just ask one more real quick one, and this one you may not know the answer to, but I think as someone who follows recruiting through you, I always found it interesting that Notre Dame could never get an official lined up with him. Now, I understand hour and a half away, you don't necessarily have to use one of your officials. So I get that. Do you think that was the reason? I don't know if it's the reason. I'm, I'm going to – I wrote about this in my article Google.com. It's weird I agree. that they were a top five school and didn't get a summer official visit. I don't think it's because Notre Dame was like, hey, let's have them in the, in the fall. They had all their top targets visit in June. Notre Dame wants to wrap up their recruiting by August, like by July, really. They're on vacation right now. And I've seen tweets, oh, no, oh the sky's been falling for Notre Dame recruiting. The staff's on vacation. Guys, coaching staffs take vacation. <laughs> they are real people. They're, they're humans, too. I mean, goodness gracious. You don't think the staff's also working on their vacation? Like, they are. I know they are. Um, poor guys can't get a break. Yeah, but also they make a ton of money, so I don't have too much sympathy for them. But seriously, in all seriousness, though, they wanted him to take the official June. I guess he just didn't want to. And then the conversation shifts. Well, if he's not going to commit during the summer and he's going to commit late into the fall or something, then it's ideal to get him in, the, in September for the Ohio State game like we had been talking about on our show, Darren. But I'd also been hearing that, hey, he might commit in July. And then if that's the case, that's not good for Notre Dame. Right. Unless he visits at the end of July when the dead period lifts, then that's great. If he you know, wants to visit at the end of July and then commit after that to Notre Dame, then that's the ideal scenario for him to commit in the summer. But this was the not good scenario. But before we move on, Darren, Notre Dame's not going to give up. They're still going to try to get him for that Ohio State game. Like, hey, you're committed to Ohio State. Why don't you come get free tickets to watch Notre Dame play Ohio State? Mm-hmm. Notre Dame will still roll out the red carpet for him. You know, you hope the Irish beat, um, you know, the Buckeyes right in front of his eyes, and then maybe Notre Dame pulls off the flip. I- I'm told, like, if Notre Dame gets him on campus for that game, like they feel confident that they could pull off the flip. Now, is that baseless optimism? I don't know. But um, a long way to say that Darren, Notre Dame is not giving up on Justin Scott, and, and nor should they. I'm just worried at that game, if he would visit, that there's going to be a whole lot of Scarlet and Gray fans sitting in the stands. But that's a conversation for another day. Hey, last week you caught up with Isaiah Canyon, the four-star wide receiver commit. What's new with him? <laughs> oh, yeah, Darren, uh, when it rains, it pours. So, yeah, this one is kind of crazy. I, I literally was at his – I saw him on Thursday morning and was – after I saw him, I was communicating with different Notre Dame sources, and everything was great. I mean, Canyon, I talked to Canyon. He told me, you know, I, should, I shouldn't say he told me he was locked in, but he gave me no, in, no indication that he wasn't anything but very solid 
And again, Notre Dame's horse is feeling great. And Saturday morning, it, it caught, I, that, I believe he told Notre Dame Saturday morning and then he decommits, uh, I, I think, around noon Eastern. Like, it, totally out of the blue. Notre Dame did not see it coming, but clearly he had thing li- this thing lined up with Georgia Tech to flip because then Monday, he, you know, he flips. Um, it's today Monday or Tuesday. It's Monday. Yeah. Sorry, we usually record this on Tuesday. Um, but, uh, yeah, Darren, he um, he caught everyone by surprise with this. This was uh, totally unexpected. So, I, I mean, look, does this news stink? Sure. I mean, he, he's a fantastic player. I really liked what I saw from him on Thursday. But, I mean, there there's several other players that if they decommitted, that would be a lot worse news. I mean, you know, Notre Dame isn't losing sleep here. Again, it sucks. This is a recruiting loss. Someone tweeted me, ah, Notre Dame pulled a scholarship. That's a bunch of crap. I mean, Notre Dame, again, this is a loss. Notre Dame really wanted him. But of all the commitments, like, this is not one that they're going to totally lose sleep over. Notre Dame will go after some other receivers. um, And uh, I think it will be okay at the end of the day. This is one, Mike, that I really believe in the position coach. And Chancey Stuckey, what he did in the last recruiting cycle, and he's got Williams committed in this upcoming cycle, I just feel like Notre Dame's going to be fine. And like you said, you don't ever want to lose a player, and you like the player, but at the same time, if there's a position right now, and I think I would say this going back to two years ago, but they're building a really good wide receiver room. You hate to lose them, but they're not – in awful shape right now at that wide receiver position, including some other possibilities to take his spot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, even though Tobias Merriweather, you wanted more in that 2021 class, he's a darn good one, or 2022, I should say. In 2023, they signed a grade three yeah. man, four man hall, and then they got two good ones committed, Micah Gilbert and Cam Williams. Just one more note. Clearly, I, I mean, the, the proximity to home is a huge factor. His, his family supported the Notre Dame commitment, but, I mean, his mom doesn't fly, is what I was told. Oh. Like she, uh, so, I mean, you go to Georgia Tech, and, and you know, it's 90 minutes up the road, even though, um, you know, the traffic on, on 75 can absolutely suck in Atlanta. But it, it's still an easy trip. Um, so, I think that was a huge part. I mean, Chancey Stuckey and, did a, a great job here, but there's just some things – you can't control. That, if you put Notre Dame in Atlanta, I, I really think they just clean house, you know. <laughs> but Notre Dame is in, in in South Bend, Indiana. Like that, there's just like what what do you want Notre Dame to do in that situation? There's just really not much they can do. He's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm WSBT's Darren Pritchett. We're on Sportsbeat and the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. So in moments like this, this is a good moment for Irish fans to take a deep breath, a couple of rough recruiting days. But we have to remember, Mike, that they have a lot of really good football players already in the bank. Should we remind folks that this class that Notre Dame is putting together right now is still pretty doggone good? Yeah, it is, Darren. I mean, I think the 23 class – the the 24 class for Notre Dame right now ranks higher, and I'm not going to go in depth about this because I've talked about it so many times. But on threes recruiting rankings do their best to for the team rankings I should say do their best to project where things stand right now 
is a somewhat of an accurate picture to what we what, what the it will end up on signing day. Rivals ranking system is a popularity contest. Whoever has the most commitments uh, is always ranked the highest. You know, uh, for on three, you know, Notre Dame has twenty commitments, but I think Alabama's ranked higher. They only have like nine. You know, be, because of the average star or, or the average rating for these recruits uh, based on a rolling average. Again, you talk about that at a different time, and we have. Um, so, I mean, Notre Dame's 2024 class actually ranks seven right now. The 2023 class ranks 10. I think this class probably is, ends up somewhere in the 9 to 12 range. If, if Notre Dame signs another top 10 class, it's back to back to back. So for all of this, oh, this is just Brian Kelly-level recruiting, Brian <laughs> Kelly never signed back-to-back-to-back top 10 classes, and Freeman will have done it in his first three. And I'm giving Freeman credit for the 2022 class. Right. He, he was the defensive coordinator for it, and then he becomes the head coach and keeps them, you know, the, they lost two offensive commits in the 22 class after Kelly left, but that had nothing to do with Brian Kelly. It's, I won't get on that tangent. But, yeah, I, I mean – and also, Darren, what's the biggest position on the field? What's the most important position? It's the quarterback spot. And whenever we talk about C.J. Carr and his ranking, everyone wants to yell at me that he's, you know, he's, this is the best quarterback prospect pretty much who's ever touched a football. So how bad can this recruiting class be when you have C.J. Carr in it, right? Seriously. Like, and you've got a, he's got a fantastic one to throw to in Kane Williams. Still could get Gerby Lambert, one of the best offensive tackles in the country. So when you look at you know, the most important positions, right? The quarterback, protect your quarterback, looking pretty good for Notre Dame there. And then you've got to go get the other team's quarterback. You know, defensive line might not be the best, but I mean, Logan Thomas, you know, from, from the Texas or the Houston area is pretty darn good. So, I mean, it's still a really good class, Darren. Safety recruiting's been head scratching, but they got Tay Johnson committed. That's the number 165 overall player, highest-ranked safety commit Notre Dame's gotten since some guy named Kyle Hamilton. I mean, two of the best running backs in the country in Aeneas Williams and Keedron Young. Offensive recruiting's outstanding. Defense, are they taking some flyer on some guys? But I don't know. It's it's still not a bad class at all, Darren. I mean, there's a lot to like. Sky's not falling. You know, let, let's just wait and see. Don't overreact to two days in recruiting. If Justin Scott ends up flipping back to Notre Dame, I mean, who cares about what happened in, in July? Hmm. Hey, let me ask you about – I, I said flipping back. I, I mean, if he, yeah. if he does flip, if he flip to Notre Dame, sure. then yeah. Let's wrap up with Deuce Knight. This is a young man that sounds like Notre Dame and Tennessee are high on his list. And any chance Notre Dame is going to be getting a visit from Deuce Knight anytime soon? Yes, they sure are, Darren. Uh, July 27th, we reported this news at Blue and Gold on uh, on Sunday night. I had a story um, with a couple quotes from Knight uh, on what he's looking forward to about this visit at blueandgold.com. This is huge. You know, you got the bad news about Isaiah Canyon decommitting and, and then committing to Georgia Tech, Justin Scott for Ohio State. The quarterback position is pretty darn important. You like to hear uh, that Deuce Knight is locked in a visit to Notre Dame. Number 61 overall player, number three quarterback for the industry ranking on three season. That's a top 30 player in the country. It's really four top schools here. I think it's Notre Dame and Tennessee at the top, like you mentioned. Then Ole Miss and Alabama are right there. 
um, as well. And, um, you know, he's visited Ole Miss six times. Hmm. He's been to Tennessee four times. Easier schools for him to get to. He went to uh, Bama in June and, uh, you know, picked up that offer after throwing for Nick Saban and the staff. But, you know, hadn't been to, he's only been to Notre Dame once, and that was, uh, you know, April 1st. He'd been trying to get back to Notre Dame in June, didn't work out. And then I'd been hearing that Notre Dame was working their tails off to get him on campus at the end of July. Uh, their big grill and chill. Darren, do you remember a couple years back when Tobias Merriweather's father, you know, or wasn't, you, you know, well, that was the cycle that, you know, he did the, the Brian Kelly cookout there. Or that, that, so that's what I'm thinking. But the grill and chill, I, I'd been told that there wasn't great seasoning in the, in the food. Yeah, do you remember that, Darren? Yeah. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah. Well, that's back this year. Um, and uh, so Deuce isn't making it for that on the 30th. He'll be there on a Thursday, the 27th, though. And Deuce Knight is open timeline for committing. He could commit, you know, at the end of July, he could stretch into senior year. Like, he's kind of open to whatever that feeling is. So Notre Dame is certainly hoping that he visits and then uh, commits. That would be absolutely huge news to follow up CJ Carr with Deuce Knight. Can you imagine that, Darren? Is Deuce a lefty? He is a lefty. Nice. Very nice. Okay. Well, we're just a couple of weeks away from the start of fall camp, Mike. And as we basically laid out of the last 20 minutes, you should be tuned into blueandgold.com because recruiting never sleeps. Mostly good news. Every once in a while, we have these little setbacks, but it just reminds folks that it pays to be a subscriber to Blue and Gold year round. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun conversations on the blueandgold.com message board, whether it's good or bad. So, yeah, head over to the site, uh, check out some of the content we have, and uh, if you like it, subscribe too. You get to read all this stuff and then uh, interact with our staff at Blue and Gold and, and talk with thousands of other Notre Dame fans. It's definitely a good time. He's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Really enjoyed this very insightful conversation on two big storylines. So, we really appreciate your time and expertise, and we will talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Darren. That is Mike Singer, Notre Dame Football Recruiting Insider. Check him out at blueandgold.com. We've got more Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960, WSBT South Bend. You don't know how to play first base. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell them, watch. It's incredibly hard. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Every time you play one off your hips, you owe me 40 sit-ups. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey, you guys. Don't throw me anything. My girlfriend put a curse on my glove. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. You lollygag the ball around the end. You know what that makes you. Hurry. Lollygag. And Sportsbeat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Well, when the Chicago Cubs traded first baseman Anthony Rizzo to the New York Yankees, one of the returns was Kevin Alcantara, a fine young outfield prospect, and the Cubs are hoping he will turn into an everyday player eventually for this Cubs organization. But right now, he's playing high-A baseball with the South Bend Cubs just as a 20-year-old. And he has experienced some difficulties at the plate, adjusting to facing older and better pitching. But the adjustments seem to be paying off as he is having a very nice 
middle part of the Midwest League season. Recently, one of the South Bend Cup broadcasters, Brendan King, caught up with Kevin Alcantara. It's just you're about halfway through your season in South Bend after a great year last year in Myrtle Beach. Just your impressions of what it's been like to play in South Bend and how much you've been enjoying it. Um, it's too, the South Bend is uh, very dif difficult because it's a, a more adjustment, more old people playing right here, more experience, you know. Um, and try the Atlas Day, more effort, more work. The other season is a little bit higher for me because it's my, my first season longer. Mm -hmm. um, and now I feel great, my body feels great. I'm working hard every day for try for try my best effort in the in the other day. He, yes, it's I feel great because in the my team is so is so is compete every day. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I feel so happy we stay right here. I think the month of June has been super for you because of your 11 walks in the season, Kevin, five of them have come this month. So, how have you become a more patient hitter at the plate as this year has gone along? My problem every time is mental. No, it's my mechanic. It's because what me thinking in the home play. My I am working the in the in the cage. My my son, my son, my my strike song. and it's too sometimes it's too difficult because you think a lot because you think in your mechanic, you think in your man. It's sometimes you need to chill out, take breath. Read, uh, read, uh, read uh, another book or whatever. Is I'm focused now and relaxed in the home play. I'm I'm much better now in my walks. Yeah. How are the pitchers in this league different than the pitchers you saw last year with Myrtle Beach? Oh, the pitcher is see you know see you know he one pitch. You, you more see this pitch. It's throw a slider, 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 slider. See, you not hit fastball up. It's throw fastball up, fastball. See, you not learning quickly. You you miss your UIB, you know? Yeah. No, that's a challenge for many, many players. Uh, Kevin, I want to go back to when you first started playing baseball, when you first fell in love with the sport in the Dominican Republic. You know, first of all, how old were you and who really introduced you? Who showed you the game for the first time? Oh. I started my career in Dominican five years old. My father support me every day. It's funny because my my father not think in the life me players. You know, it's no my neighbor my neighbor is sometimes is bad. It's go okay, go play because you salty, you you nice, right? And and in past my 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 years. In past my year, I'm feel I'm feel nice. I'm feel better. Or my father, oh, you have tw 12 years old. You have six two. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> you were six two when you were twelve. Yeah. Okay. And my, my I have my 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 my, my brother now. He's our thirteen years old. He have six two. It's oh, the same. Wow. Yeah. When did you first kind of know? that you would have a future in baseball, that you can play as a professional? Oh, yeah, 13 years old. Yeah. 13, because my father, my father, the person say to my father, hey, you, you, your son is hitting the, the guys 18 years old, 18 years old, he have three, 13 years old. And my father don't believe you. And my, and my, my father go watch me, he say, oh my God, it's so impressive. Yeah, it's, it's the... It's my father say, okay, my my I think my 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 son is baseball player mm -hmm. in the future. 
So in the Dominican, when so many players are signing with teams, you first signed with the Yankees, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, when did the Yankees first approach you and say, hey, we want you to play for us? My discipline. My discipline is because it's you're younger. It's, my, my discipline is terrible when I'm, I'm starting the Yankees. The Yankees fish my, my, my discipline. Mm. No, no crash the helmet or take it easy, take passion. You got it and continue. That's it. That's it. And my, my leg my leg is so high mm. and Yankees more a little bit more down. But I complete my lucky in the cups. Mm. Uh, how old were you when you signed with the Yankees? Uh, 16 years old. 16. So uh, what's that like for you? Because I'm sure growing up in the Dominican, the Yankees were a team, Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez and all those players who were stars. Uh, what did it feel like to sign with a team like that when you were so young? The person say, it's difficult, you go, all oh, whatever. And I say, I don't care. Me, me a good player. I'm mm. my... I'm, Try my effort every day. See the team me go up, it's okay. But I'm, I don't care. Mm-hmm. The person, you know, you know, the Yankees is the best team in the world. Blah 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 blah. blah. I don't care. I'm try. I'm try again. No matter who. No matter. Yeah. yeah. No scare. And of course, the trade happens. I think everybody knows by now. Anthony Rizzo for you. Um, the the trade is made. I guess when when you first found out it was the Cubs. What was on your mind? What were you thinking about the Cubs? Oh, the Cubs are a good team. I'm, my first time when I see the Cubs, I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking in the team. Mm-hmm. It's the, in the sun in in Arizona. Is the it's hard. One eighty one eighteen. I think mm-hmm. this this time the weather is so crazy. Oh my God! And say it's. The the trade the American the, the the American on the national is is too hard yeah. it's too hard bro it's I, I'm feel I'm feel great because the team is uh support me every day it's a good team because the Yankees is attractive right here you okay come here come here hitting right here you feel great okay go was there a moment when you got traded to the Cubs and you started to meet everybody, all your teammates and your coaches, was there a moment that you can point to where you really started feeling comfortable, mm-hmm. where where you said, okay, I'm home. This is my, Cubs yeah. are my home. Yeah, it, this is the world. Uh, yeah, I feel so comfortable in the, in the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I feel, I, I feel my home. The, 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 the guys is more, more, how do you say the, the word? Maybe Cohesive? More, yeah, more, more, it's more nice. I feel the the guy no no is my friends mm-hmm. is my brothers in yeah. my family, uh, and you know you're playing on a roster with so many players from the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. and Venezuela, so I'm sure that helps too getting to play with guys that you know are share your heritage too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, because because it's not not I'm not focused in the Venezuelan or Dominican uh, Dominican, you know, American guys the same. Mm-hmm. Because see, I don't have American uh, American guys right here. I'm not learning English, you know. Yeah. It, it past uh, year year trust year. I'm more, I'm working more in my English. It, now I'm in the inter- interview for you. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because of course you Pagan. And Espinoza completed the English as a second language program. Yeah. Uh, what did that mean to you, kind of, to be able to accomplish that off the field? Yeah, I'm, I'm feel happy because the communication, your communication with your coach, your friend, 
you you feel great with yourself, mm -hmm. right? Because you have a talking with other people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you are scared because oh I, I I'm I'm talking this guy, but I know I know I know say the the language, you know. But mm -hmm. now I'm so excited because of that. When you think about first of all, actually, have you been to Wrigley Field yet? No. You've never been to Rick as a fan? Close. I see close, but no in the Wrigley Field. You've never been inside? No. So when you see pictures of Wrigley Field, uh, what do you think of for your future? Do you envision being a Chicago Cub? Is that something you think about a lot? Why? I want my picture in this day. You, it's, <laughs> it's, you feel you feel wonderful. You feel nice. See, you see your picture right here. I'm working day by day for, for that. How does it feel to be on the 40-man roster? What's that? What kind of accomplishment is that for you? It's it's, it's one step, you know. One step. But yeah, one step. It's, you need to step by step for you go to big league. Mm -hmm. It's one step. I it, it's the noise. You know, you don't feel relaxed because you 40 men. You need to work more mm -hmm. because you 40 men. It's it's my my thing with, about that. Last couple questions. First, at the big league level, is there anybody on the Chicago Cubs right now that has really helped you at spring training and in Arizona? Yeah, the 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 old guys because Bellinger, Bellinger, uh, Swanson. Uh, I'm talking a lot with Horners and and Hub. This guy is a strict, but it's, it's fun because it's the it's the job. You want you in your in your job, you need to. You respect your job. Outside, it's okay. You represent one team. You respect outside the other person. But this guy is helping me a lot because the mental. Now, every guy right here have ability for play in Billy. But the step go Billy is is your, your mental. You know? Last question course your nickname the jaguar you're wearing a chain right now with the jaguar claw is that your fi personal favorite or which chain is your favorite you think the, this one that one yeah well i saw you wearing the blue and the silver yeah uh, yesterday this, this, those are pretty this cool this is for south Bend. this is for, uh, that's for south Bend. Yeah, only for south Bend. yeah it's a, i'll make another one for, for other year okay but i'm i'm complete my my goals first <laughs> you know it, i'm yeah. by this this chain is for the fans and for my goals yeah my goal is the angle season and buy one uh, it's my nickname i'm 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 custom of, with my name that is Kevin Alcantara, one of the top prospects in the Chicago Cubs organization, just a 20-year-old outfielder right now playing for the South Bend Cubs, being interviewed by one of the voices of South Bend, Brendan King. More sports beat coming up in a moment on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 